Episode number 32, The Bellows, Leaving the Business. And welcome back to The Title Block, a podcast about Canadian theatre designers, their history, and their craft. And I'm your very relaxed host, Michael Cruz. I've just come off holidays for three weeks, and I'm finishing them up by getting this Bellows uh, podcast out to you today. Uh, This episode is another presentation of The Bellows, a monthly informal panel discussion about topics germane to working and producing theatre. This time, something very pertinent to my life, uh, leaving the business. In 2004, I was getting antsy with my life in theater. My career was going well, working across the country, doing interesting and what I felt was important work, but something was missing. The interesting bit of the work, the really creative portion, was quickly becoming, well, really the only thing that was interesting, and it was shrinking each production. As a lighting designer, you get to do many shows a year uh, at pace upwards of 15 or 20 designs, uh, really just to pay the bills, uh, with other smaller one-off gigs. So you get to see and solve many problems, many more than, let's say, a director who would do uh, you know, three shows a year, an actor would do four or five shows a year, uh, and so on. So after a while, uh, I found these productions, I mean, I love the people in theater, love them. That's, that's the thing that I think makes theater for me really special. Uh, but I found the shows and the work to be a bit tedious. Solving the same problems over and again, reinventing the wheel, uh, being led down the garden path by people who thought they had a great idea when you knew, and the lighting designers out there will tell, will, will know what I'm talking about, when you knew you were going to end up in the weeds. So I needed new challenges. Uh, at 10 years in, I went back to school to become a paramedic and I've been working full-time since 2007. Now, my love of theater remains to this day, though it is tempered by the frustration of working in, in, in an industry that the majority of the public sees, well, really, as a hobby, uh, and the government treats as a special interest, and not much more than a hobby, uh, if you've seen the budgets lately, <laughs> and along with other arts, uh, a distraction rather than a backbone of Canadian culture. When you look at the way the arts are supported in the U.S., the U.K., Germany, and other similar cultures, it becomes immediately obvious where the problems lie. Canada does not support its arts, and we treat it as such. And it's not the government's fault necessarily. Canadians themselves, I think, don't approach the arts with with the same kind of fervor. Uh, And certainly theater is is becoming uh, more jeopardized by this thought. I'll give you an example. This week I saw what really could be described as a tour de force uh, of theater. It was a one-man show um, that I saw at a company I won't mention. Those of you who know what the show is and have seen it will know what it is, but it's not not important. Uh, The production value was very high. It incorporated projections. It had great lighting, and uh, it was well-crafted. It was also done... Um, improv. There were certain landmarks in that kind of show. You need to have them to land the show correctly. But but every night was different because there were so many stories. Uh, they were choosing the actor would choose them uh, during the production, and it was really quite magical. Uh, at the end of what was 
quite a remarkable ending to act one behind me, I heard a member of the audience say, turn to her friend and say, how does he remember all those lines? And I thought, that's your bar? That's the level, that's what, that's what your expectation is. Well, I hope they remember all their lines. Now, I, I, I worked, as coming up in theater, I worked in amateur theater a lot. Uh, that was my life in high school. And I loved it. And you're a part of the community, and it's well-supported. Many, many uh, communities across Canada uh, have a long, in fact, longer than professional theater in Canada, have a much longer tradition of amateur theater. And there, I mean, if you're an amateur, remembering your lines, that's, a, that's an important thing. But come on, like this is professional theater. Everyone remembers their lines. That's not the goal of theater. It's telling a compelling story that speaks to something, speaks to your soul, and, and comments maybe on society, makes you think a bit differently, gives you a catharsis at the end of it. Those are the goals of professional theater. And if the public's expectation is, well, how did that guy remember all those lines? How do we expect to demand the support that we need to survive, let alone thrive? So it's with that kind of headspace. I know it's dark. I know it's dark. We're here celebrating theater in Canada, but there is a problem that we need to face, and we better solve it if Canadian theater is going to survive. So here at the Bellows, on this episode of the Title Block, we present former stage manager Maria Costa, a personal friend and a lovely, a lovely person. Former wardrobe a technician. We use a lot of diminutives for wardrobe workers, wardrobe ladies, wardrobe sewers. She's a wardrobe technician. She was a remarkable one, Michelle Bailey, who's no longer in the business, and former arts administrator Katie Pounder to talk about their own transitions from theater into what many of us refer to as the real world. And if you are able, as you think of this, go to patreon.com to support the Title Block podcast. I, can, I can't wait to share with you my conversations with some wonderful designers, including Martha Mann, who I spoke with several months ago about this problem of the amateur theater tradition melding with professional theater in Canada. And if you want to support that, please consider throwing us a couple bucks of episode. That's all it takes, really. It would really help. Now, I don't get a lot of mail, but uh, please, if you have any comments about the show, forward them to thetitleblock at gmail.com or contact us through Facebook or Twitter. It'd be great to hear from you. Uh, remember, the show notes are available either on your podcasting device or at the website at thetitleblock.com. And now, some thoughts from The Bellows, led by moderator Kevin Hudson on Leaving the Business. Uh, in the backspace just over there, why I'm pointing that way. Uh, the Bellows is also Mr. Kevin Hudson, who is the uh, head carp at, uh, or head of the, yeah, head carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I know things uh, at Tarragon, and uh, the lovely Pip Bradford, who is also not here, and I wish I could say I was representing her, but nobody can represent uh, Pip Bradford. Um, so the next thing is, what is The Bellows? I think most of you have been here before. For those of you who haven't, The Bellows is a monthly event uh, based around um, teaching you everything that you didn't necessarily learn uh, at theater school. So uh, this evening is something that they almost certainly do not talk about at theater school 
as they are trying to get you started in the industry. But anyway, that's for a little bit later. Uh, after the panel, which is uh, what we're going to start with, uh, Kevin will moderate, uh, ask our lovely uh, panelists a few questions, and then we will move on to a bit of a mixer afterwards if you have further questions for the panelists or just want to talk amongst yourselves about what you've learned. Hang around, have a drink, meet new people, uh, talk to old people, old friends, <laughs> carry on about your lives. Great. Um, so the thank yous I have to read from my phone. My apologies if I uh, don't pronounce these properly. Uh, we would like to, we, the, the Bellows would like to uh, thank and acknowledge the traditional keepers of this land, who are the uh, Mississaugas of New Credit, the uh, Anish, Anishinaabek people, the Haudenosaunee, and the uh, Huron-Wendat. Uh, they'd also like to thank TPM, everybody on the panel, uh, Tidal Block, who, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, this is going to be uh, a uh, podcast on the titleblock.com, so uh, do check that out. If they say something up there and you don't have a chance to make a mental note of it, you can check it out on the titleblock.com. Uh, thank you to Steam Whistle for uh, having beer in the fridge, which is $4. So for anybody who didn't know, $4 Steam Whistle. Thank you all for being here. Uh, I know it was a little bit late notice, and thank you for continuing to support the Bellows. Um, tip your bartender this evening. The lovely Jared is here, and uh, he uh, is well-deserving of your tips. Uh, I have been told to explain that there are three upcoming uh, panels. Uh, July 18th is uh, about the beer economy, which is pretty exciting. Uh, I'm sure you all know what that is if you've, well, been here before. Uh, August 15th is getting started in design, and sep September 19th is way away, but it's about fees and contracts. So without further ado, Kevin Hudson. <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, hey, everybody. Thanks for coming. Um, this panel is uh, pretty important to me uh, because I keep trying to escape the industry but failing pretty spectacularly. Um, so beyond uh, just being an excuse to talk to my friends, <laughs> it's um, who I haven't seen in a while, um, it's a really good uh, way of comforting each other on how transferable your skills are. Because I know it's difficult to explain to a potential employer who doesn't understand what you do. It's probably difficult enough to explain to your family. Um, but all the skills you're building through these things are super transferable um, and will serve you very well wherever you end up. Um, I went through a lot of permutations before I got to theater, and I keep uh, seeing paths to get me out. And even though I've not escaped yet, it's comforting to know that there are other places to go. Um, people to meet and things to do. Um, so uh, without further ado, on my left, uh, who are you and what do you do? I am Maria Costa and um, I'm a human being who works as a administrative coordinator at um, a company um, that deals with radiation safety. That's amazing. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm Michelle Bailey. I am the owner-operator of Barkbusters Hamilton Niagara, which is a dog training company that deals with uh, in-home dog training and behavioral therapy for problem dogs. Um, I'm Katie Pounder, and full disclosure, as of today, 
I am the uh, Associate Director of Student Services at Pearson Higher Learning Services, Higher Learning Education, um, uh, which is a, it's a really large corporation, but um, my sort of section of it that I'm working with is in student retention for um, all, basically, a bunch of online learning programs for universities in the States and throughout North America. So for everybody who's not me, what did you do and how did I know you? How do I get to know you? Well, uh, for about 20 years, I worked uh, primarily as a stage manager. I started, you know, as a dresser, apprentice, whatever, um, and then uh, worked as a stage manager. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, probably about six years before I transitioned, I worked at um, Humber College a lot and worked as a, a supervisor. And Amazing. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, Post-graduation, I pretended I was a lighting technician and a stage manager for a while, and then I settled into a pretty solid wardrobe career for a while. Uh, you and I met when you showed up in my wardrobe shop and demanded I teach you how to sew a terracotta. <laughs> that's how I break the ice with all the wardrobe ladies? That's, yeah. that's how that happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, I started my arts admin career in... Uh, about ten, just over 10 years ago at Young People's Theatre. Um, and then I actually came here to Passamurai for two seasons, which is where I met you. Mm -hmm. You are one of our most trusty carpenters downstairs. Yeah. Um, and uh, for the last two years, I've been at Tapestry Opera as their general manager. And up until, well, there's a bit of crossover, so I'm still kind of both. But um, yeah, just left yeah. that right away. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, now that you're gone, what looking back on it, what got you into theater in the first place? What, what made you decide that theater was the thing for you? Um, I didn't answer part of your question, last question. We met, I think, at the Tarragon Extra Space in yes. the wee little booth. But, in that uh, tiny, sweaty, yeah, gross booth. I yeah. think um, in high school, I was like, oh, I'm going to become a psychologist. And then I um, was in theater, and I ushered, if any of you know London, Ontario, at the Grand, and it was a really exciting year. There were, like, really cool shows, and I volunteer ushered, and I, like, worked all the time for free, and I really liked it. And then I was asked to stage manage the Dyer Van Frank. And, you know, like, it has a very sweet message, right? Like, ultimately, despite everything she's going through, she believes that people are really good at heart. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. I want to do this forever. And so then I went to theater school, and then... It felt like I did it forever, <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> Amazing. Um, what got me into theater? Uh, I think it was in high school I saw a production of something, oh man, something big, and I remember looking at it going, oh, I want to do this. And then I think I got involved in drama club and ended up kissing my crush on stage that year and went, oh shit, I can do this? Deal the deal. Yeah, <laughs> let's do this. Uh, so then I went to school for it. Uh, I went went into acting first and then decided, you know, F this. Uh, <laughs> I can't really make a career out of being an actor. So I went into technical theater and here I am. Amazing. Here I was. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted to be a veterinarian, so I had all <laughs> maths and sciences. Um, and then I started, um, I took drama class and... Um, I actually was only going to take it for one year, and then the next year I was signed up for auto shop, and then was scared. The, the teacher scared the crap out of me, and my drama teacher was like, "Why aren't you in my class?" And so that sort of cemented that. Um, and then after some Sears Drama Festival time, and awesome. I, by the time I got to OAC, I was like, "No, I want to be in theater." And I never thought 
like I enjoyed acting, but I never thought that I wanted to necessarily be on stage or even directing. But I always wanted, I wanted to learn more about it and either right. teach or in some other facet. Right on. So I'm yeah. hearing, hearing like the theater bug. Yeah. Yeah, it for bit, sure. It bit. That's awesome. I remember Sears Drama Festival. I had a great time at Sears Drama Festival. I actually won an award. Uh, for wearing a dress on stage and playing woman. Nice. Yeah, Mrs. Drudge was an old English woman. That was the only time in life, though, right? That was the only time I won an award. Oh, there's still time. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just the the bug of it, is that what kept you in theater for a while? Or, like, how did... What what keeps you going to to do those things? Like, what what was the tie that you you built there? I mean, for me, like, I really like the... There's something about being part of a team that's all pulling towards one goal. Something about really strict deadlines that I actually really <laughs> like. Like the sort of camaraderie you get from an approaching mm-hmm. opening night is a really fascinating environment that I really like. I think for me it was the allure of doing something and meeting people that most people don't get to meet. Right. You know, like... <laughs> Yeah, seeing some famous people in their underwear. Like, that is, that's <laughs> what kept me going. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, uh, I, well, I, I, it both was the inspiring thing, and I went, I went to McMaster, which was a school that was not specifically in one direction, which is what I liked about it. And I thought I wanted to go to teacher's college. Um, and I actually applied to arts and men school as a backup in case I didn't get into teacher's college. Right. Um, and uh, I ended up getting in. I was going to travel and go to Australia. And then I had sort of met the people at Humber College and was just going, we're like, well, I should see what this is because I applied. And then <laughs> when I got there, I was like, I found my people. It was really right. weird um, because it's like admin. But I had been in between school. I had taken some time off and was processing mortgage applications and doing some terrible things that made me like really not want to do anything corporate whatsoever. Um, not that it's terrible, but I just, the financial industry is depressing. Um, if you care about human beings, um, (laughs) which I do. Uh, and so, yeah, it ended up as being a backup and then ended up sort of being the way. And if I realized I was like, Oh, I can actually use my theater degree and have a job and that (laughs) I am using it for, which was really lovely. So, yeah. Great. Um, I think I was quite fortunate when I was uh, finishing up school. I had an instructor who was like, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to apply here. You need to apply here. You need to apply here. You need to mention me here. You need to mention this person here. And (laughs) she was like on me. And so uh, my first job at a theater school was um, Rest in Peace Theater Plus Toronto, uh, which um, I was the apprentice and it was in rep. And I worked like all the time, like 12 hours a day for the whole summer. And, uh, you know, it was the first time I was making real money and I was like so excited. And then my boss apologized to me for how little they were paying me. And I had like no idea. I was like, this is awesome. And I was living with like a thousand people in a house and it was, it was totally cool. And I was meeting all these people. And then, you know, I went there, I went to Canadian stage and I felt like the new it girl, right? Like I was 20 nothing and I was getting all this work and I was really lucky and I was meeting like, you know, Peter Hinton who would come into work wearing a robe, a judge's robe every day. He was very eccentric and I was like, these people are awesome (laughs) and like just really great actors and just kind of knowing all these people. Like all of a sudden I know a hundred people in the city. Like it was really quite exciting. And um, 
And then, of course, eventually my luck ran out. <laughs> but um, I, I do want to add that um, I felt like throughout the whole time that there were certain parts of stage management that I was really awesome at and parts that were I, was, I sucked at. <laughs> and I kept focusing on what I sucked at and I kept thinking... And, you know, I'd run into people who I hadn't seen in, like, two months, and they were like, so have you left theater? Because I would always say, I'm out. I just, I can't, I can't do it. And then I would get enough work that I could live, so I just kept doing it. <laughs> and yeah, then I was yeah. like, okay, no, really, really, I'm out. And then it'd be, like, ten years later, and I'm like, okay, well, no, actually, no, I really like it now. And yeah. then I would hate it again. And so, um, but, you know, if you work on a great project, it can really kind of keep you coasting for a while. Yeah. And then you work on the horrible one, and you're like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> and Sorry. the circle continues. Yeah. yeah. That's funny, because I think the project that you and I worked on at Tarragon was the one that, like, kicked me in the teeth. Like, I hated that. I couldn't, I could not deal with that show. Uh, Body and Soul. I couldn't, oh. I couldn't handle it. Oh, I thought there was I another. I could not handle it. No, I just oh, couldn't handle that, that show. That was it. Okay. That was the first show, a technician, I was like, had like all this pride that I was like watching the show. I was there for the people. Like had my fingers ready. I was so ready. And that show, I just read a book. I couldn't handle. Like that was the first show where I just brought out a book. And funnily enough, that was I think the second time I had done that show. And the first time, big loving. Like I just I made a shitload of money because it was a corporate gig. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I bought myself a MacBook. And I worked with like. <laughs> a group of people and it was all like they would just we workshop forever and they would have to tell their stories so there were older women and they would have to tell their stories about childhood or you know love first love and I just sat there I just loved it I thought I get paid to listen to all these like real women tell their stories about innocence and now they're older and that kind of journey and I was digging it and then <laughs> we remounted it on our, our own dime, <laughs> and we went to Tarragon, and the space was way tinier, yeah, and there was tiny. no corporate money, <laughs> and it was much harder, <laughs> I have yeah. to say. So, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think that's what my grandmother refers to as chicken one day, feathers the next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah. It was the show that broke my technician self. Oh. It's fine. No, Aww. being a carpenter is way better. It's awesome. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> I feel responsible for no, not no, 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 no. You were very pleasant and very professional. Uh, <laughs> so, how uh, getting to uh, arts admin and wardrobe and stage management? How was there? Was did you describe it as a long path to get from your your uh, sort of theater bug to to what you ended up making a living at? Hmm. I had to put in a lot of time as an intern well not a yeah. lot of time but like a really crazy probably the craziest year of my life lots of hours and lots of hours right. um because I didn't want to take out loans or anything again after yeah. I'd already done school so yeah. um so I ended up waitressing almost full-time interning almost full-time and or in school almost full-time all at the same mm. time um mm. so that was a hard start but because my internships were at Young People's Theatre, which was the first place I wanted to work, the first place yeah. I ever saw a play. Like, if we're actually talking about the first bite of the bug, it was, like, 1984, watching A Christmas Carol and coming home and being like, oh, my gosh. My mother was like, yeah, I know that story. And I didn't realize <laughs> it was actually a story. I just thought that this was, like, they made it up on stage. So. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, so it, there was something really, like, um, compelling about just the fact that I got to be there. Yeah. 
I wonder how yeah. many YPT stories there are like that because they yeah. are for real with what they do. Yeah. 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 They're really good at what they do. Yeah. And that runs through the building for the most part, which yeah. is a really great first yeah. place to work. For sure. Yeah. Um, it was definitely a long road to my first full time, like, paid gig. I did. I mean, it, it takes nothing to get into wardrobe as long as you're somebody that's willing to dress people. People are willing to let you do that, but to actually get paid for it is a struggle. And I was one of those people who refused to volunteer. Like, I, I did a lot of really shitty underpaid gigs for a long time and then finally molded that into some semblance of career. <laughs> right, right, right. What was the point where you felt confident in your resume? Because that's, like, just settling in for me, um, where I can put a resume and be man. like, yeah. <laughs> like, I think probably after I had a couple of TV gigs on there. Oh, yeah. Like, where I could finally say, okay, you know, CBC hired me to do something. Like, you saw that on your television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm for real. Uh, but it, even that took a, took a while. Mm. Well, how does it work with uh, intern experience? Like, at what point do you, because presumably then, like, at what point do you, I don't know, I've never interned. To be able to so. transfer? It, yeah. It's hard. Well, I've been on the hiring process a lot, too. So right. I've, seen, I've seen people who are probably incredible um, future employees be totally disregarded because, oh, they're just an intern. So you don't want to do it too long in order to, like, right. be stuck on that track. Um, but... Uh, in terms, if you can, if you can actually get an internship at a place you want to work, it's the best inside track. Like I, I hmm. applied for one internship at YPT. I had to do three for school, um, and they got longer and more full time as it went. Um, and they asked me to do a second or the third of the second of three third. Well, anyway, second one there um, that summer, and I ended up there was a position opening up that was assisting the managing director and production manager. And so they actually handed me the job application and said, you know, this is, or the posting and said, this is coming up. We would like you to apply, which was incredible. But, and so um, both having, you know, specific training for a job, which was awesome and not very easy to do um, in all careers, especially artistic ones. Um, But also just like I made it my mission to learn everything I could about that building and how yeah. it worked. So it wasn't even yeah. about my experience. It was about how quickly I could hit the ground running once I started. Yeah. And so I think that's what got me the job. Um, you know. and, mm-hmm. but. So how does it work for, uh, I mean, I guess there's an equity card involved. Yeah. Like, so, so presumably, like, you get X number of credits or... Exactly. And then and you just, you I just, don't know what it is now, but when I started, it was either... <clears throat> uh, Six total apprentice credits, uh, or wait, six in one theater, or uh, four in one theater and two in another, or like some variation. Like if you were only going to work in one theater and get six credits, you could then get your card, or you okay. could get them from a bunch of different places. And uh, I was fortunate; like I uh, apprenticed at Theater Plus, and I think I got like three or four credits. And then I. Um, Interesting story, how the world works, I think. Um, so, oh, I can't even remember the interesting story. Um, I was <laughs> Theater Plus, and Ray Salverda, who was the technical director there, we went after one tech night. Uh, we were at the Jersey Giant having a beer, and I can't remember 
he said something that I found wrong. And so <laughs> I questioned him on it. And he just laughed because he thought it was hilarious that he was getting me all riled up. And, um, and then I think he called me like a week later. And he's like, hey, our apprentice fell in love and isn't coming to Blythe. Do you want to come to Blythe? And I said, <laughs> yes. And so then, um, oh, I've got the timeline wrong, but whatever. So basically, uh, um, Theater Plus, and then I think I went and did some apprenticeship slash dresser work at um, Berkeley Street with Canadian Stage. So it was like, basically, you get to be the apprentice in rehearsal uh, for a show uh, with Canadian Stage. And then once that's open, you get to be the dresser for the Théâtre Français show okay. and do their laundry. And, and that was kind of like that. So I think I got a couple extra credits. And then that summer, I got invited to go to Blythe as an apprentice, and I went there. So I think I finished with about 10 credits, which mm-hmm. I don't think, I mean, I probably still have some confidence issues. But at the time, I don't think I could have gone in with six credits feeling like, right. oh, yeah, I'm ready to be an ASM. And then after that, at some point, I can't I think my first ASM gig was at YPT, okay. uh, which uh, was good. And then I'm not sure what my first stage management. Well, there were basically, I would say at that point, as you start to ASM and people know you, they invite you to stage manage their fringe show yeah. or their equity co-op, right? And it is a good opportunity to kind of... Uh, you know, pretend to be a stage manager, right? Yeah, totally. And then before you know it, you've crossed over as a stage manager and people start hiring you mm-hmm. as a stage, ma- stage manager. And that's kind of how it worked for me. Yeah. I think the experience of getting way more credits than you need is not a rare one. I don't think it's a, yeah. it's a bad one, to yeah, be honest. Totally. Yeah. Uh, because you get to meet more people and, mm-hmm. you know. Right on. Yeah. So at, at uh, those full-time gigs, how would you describe the working environment? Like, was it just, was it a lot of work? Did you love every second of it? I mean, because you, you said there were things that about stage management that you were good at and things that you sucked at. So how did you balance that sort of dissonance? Uh, I mean, I think I, I worked a lot. Like, I brought homework home, and I would, you know, and there were, for me, my problem area, I don't know if there are any stage managers in the audience, but uh, would be like, you know, you do your rough blocking of a show, and that was fine. And then when you start to do more detailed work, and, like, you realize, oh, I've only got this much room on my page to write all this new blocking, and then do I rip it out? Do I st-? Like, and I could never kind of catch up when it got to that stage. And then, like, I loved prompting. I, I was like, if I could just prompt all day, yeah. I would just do that. And then, like, calling a show, I kind of loved it. Like, it's just very focused and... Um, yeah, like the, uh, but then sometimes the people stuff, like I think I'm good with people, but then sometimes I'm like, I don't care. That, <laughs> you know, like, I just don't yeah. care. Like, why is this now my problem? Like, I really don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't, you're not allowed to say that. Yeah. Or maybe you can. I just didn't think I could. Now you can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, there are certain times where, and it was very immersive. Like, it was my whole life, right? And I kind of started feeling like, it's a bit messed up. Like, where do I exist outside of theater? And I didn't know. So that's kind of where the trouble began for me. <laughs> right. Um, I, I mean, I think I was a good designer. I think I was good at the, good at the job, good at shopping, good at, you know, finding jeans that fit people. Jeez. Um, but when it came down to it, uh, it was, 
I don't I don't think it was anything about the job itself that started to squeeze me out. I think it was outside force, you know, never enough money, never enough time. Budgets got whittled down from when I started, like when mm. the budgets are smaller than when you started the job five years ago. That's tough. It just yeah. becomes yeah. really, really impossible. And uh, and I think on the flip side, uh, on the other side of that, designers were also, you know, feeling that crunch too. Fees were probably not as high, so I didn't have designers as present. So I would find myself doing both jobs. When I was supposed to be just the head of wardrobe and, and building a show, I would find myself making a lot of the design decisions mm -hmm. for an absentee designer. Sometimes through no fault of their own, they were just doing a thousand different projects at yeah. once. But that was the thing that really started to get to me. Otherwise, I loved the work. I loved the job. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I especially like well, starting at YPT, um, it's like a microcosm of a functioning society in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, and because... Um, there's just such a presence of the people that you're serving all the time. Like if you ever need, if you ever get stressed out or worried or working too many hours and you just go into the lobby and all of a sudden there's 465 children coming out of a show, like chatting and so excited. Um, so there was, it was very gratifying being there all the time. Um, and all of the jobs that I've done have been really gratifying in terms of seeing the work most work on the show yeah. or on the stage um, and uh, and the people and the same thing, the idea of coming together for opening night and and how we all have different roles to play in this huge process. Um, so that like is still there. Um, and it wasn't like I was like, I'm out of here, theater, blah. Um, <laughs> I, um, it came close. Uh, but uh, it, it was really, um, sorry, we're done with you to another question, but essentially... Um, an opportunity presented itself that I was interested in, and we'll get into that after. But um, I realized recently that I actually have no boundaries as a human being, <laughs> um, which is one of my greatest strengths and also my greatest flaw. And uh, so in all of that, and as I started working in organizations that were smaller and smaller with equally ambitious goals and vision, um, you start. You just start jumping on all the things that you see are like, oh, this person's doing too much, or oh, this person's just, or this this thing is going to fall apart. And so, yeah, that was the part that yeah. when you put it all together, all the things I love are still there. But much like you were saying, that it's it's that. Sort it seems of like as well like as a general manager, as an administrator, you have the opportunity to see yes lots of stuff a lot to of do. It. <laughs> a lot of it. And if you really like doing it, it would be yeah. easy to give a lot. And you're both. You're both you know, leading a staff to do the work for you in some ways, but you're also yeah. supporting them in the work that they need to do. And when you see it across the board that everyone's trying to do so much with so little, yeah. it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's, that, that's the one, like, nagging thing in the, the passion's still there, but yeah. how Can long add, does it last? Sorry, I just yeah, wanted to add do. that um, the freelancing part is exciting, right? Like, you can be sitting at home one day, and someone will call you and say, are you free next month? And you say yes, and you get to go do a touring show to, I don't know, Vancouver or something. And then conversely, you go, oh, my God, after, you know, in the next month, I have no work for the rest of my life. Like, it, it's, it's horrifying. Yeah. Like, I yeah. think as you get older, too, you go, like, 
I can't, I can't live like this. Like, <laughs> you know, I have my RSP. Yeah. Thank God I had it when I was like five. And, you know, but like, but it's also exciting, right? Because sometimes, like, a company you've wanted to work with calls you up, mm -hmm. and you go. I get to work there because I was home. I mean, now there's texts and it's a different world, but that was yeah. my world back in the day. Totally. The voicemail. <laughs> well, I think I've been there as well. Like, I've gotten the ability to go to China, for instance, with yeah. the show. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And then, I think it was last summer, where I was just like, you know, I did the contract, finished the contract up, and had, like, two weeks of work. It was great. And then, like, two days out, it was just staring at nothing. Yeah. Like, literally nothing. And Forever. then but for who knows how long, <laughs> um, which is genuinely terrifying. And the, the appeal at that point of like a full-time solid, like year round, two weeks vacation, that kind of like just stability is amazing. So, but uh, for Michelle, so you bought a franchise. I did. <laughs> which is uh, gutsy, I would say. Uh, and expensive. Yeah. yeah. And uh, on a scale of one to ten, terrifying? Terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because essentially, so you're, uh, to buy a franchise, you're taking a part of a business, but you're essentially, you're starting your own business you're, just with a little bit of a head start. It's, it's the best and worst parts of running your own business, but working for somebody else. Um, so just to give a little bit of background, uh, the reason I made the leap to be a dog trainer was because a uh, few... Uh, oh, geez, how old is my dog now? Five years old. So I guess three or four years ago, we adopted a dog who was a shithead and was going, you know, biting people, biting other dogs, la, 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 la. So we got a uh, dog trainer in and uh, they showed us how to fix our dog, blah, blah, blah. I really like doing it. So I'd filed it in the back of my head. I've got a, I've got a, a bookmarks folder on my laptop, which is always called maybe someday. And it's where I file things that I find where it's like, maybe not right now, but maybe someday. So this went in the maybe someday file. Of, I like doing this, you know, maybe if this theater thing goes belly up, I can, this is something I could do. Uh, and that was before, uh, before I had a daughter. So Tarragon comes, this isn't even in the day's pre-Tarragon, I think. Uh, and then I started the job at Tarragon. Da-da-da-da-da. Everything was great. Go away for a year. Have a child. Come back. It has a very different flavor. Suddenly I'm trying to balance all the same crazy hours and demands on my time and a baby at home and, you know, just life in general, like doing laundry and shopping. Um, and I thought, this, is, this can't continue. And it was also at the same point, my husband also works in theater, uh, and we, our contracts would both end at the same time. So around... Staring down two barrels of just nothing. Of just <laughs> under or straight up unemployment. So, you know, that's okay when it's just the two of you, but suddenly when you, there's a mouth to feed, it's going, oh my God, I, what are we going to do? So something had to give. So I, you know, made the call to the head office, was just like, hey, you know what, tell me about this. What's, you know, I might be interested one day. And I'm thinking like months and months down the road, maybe even years down the road. And it just so happened that the Niagara region was for sale. Uh, and we'd been kind of looking for an excuse to get out of Toronto because at that point, I sort of feel like Toronto is a 
young and single person's game or a wealthy person's game at some point. And at that point, we were relatively neither of those things. <laughs> so uh, we, we decided we'd move to Hamilton. And it was, well, Kevin can attest to my head at that time and how it was back and forth and he he saw the whole thing from like beginning to end because he was my confidant being down in the carp shop and we had coffee in the morning someone was, yeah. someone <laughs> who I never clashed with at all so <laughs> uh so I bought the business and six months later uh that's how I came to do that. But it was m literally six months of loan applications. And I, I called it building my life raft. Like I took the time and really did my research, applied for loans, got a business mentor. Like I was fully, fully supportive. So by the time I made the leap, I was ready. But it was really, really scary to do that. And by the time I got the, the you know, the day I got the phone call saying I was approved for the loan, it was, like, <laughs> it was like standing at the edge of a cliff going, okay, am I really doing this? Is this, is this, is this my life now? But uh, best decision I ever made, actually, for me. It sounds like there was a little bit of uh, like background information and then the stars kind of aligned. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Preparation I mean, and opportunity, some of it was pre Yeah, some of it was preparation, and some of it was just things working out right. really well. Like, we happened to find a place to rent in Hamilton that was right by the GO station, so Dan could continue to commute into work, you know, like, just things like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, sometimes that just happens, and that's when you realize that, oh, the path is actually open, and you just need to go down it as long as it takes you. Right and I wonder sometimes, at least for me personally and in general, um, if the path is always there, you just don't see it. Yeah. Um, or you don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. Which is true. And I still don't even know. I, you'll have to find me six months from now to find it with that. But um, yeah. What was it for what uh, gave you a, the kick to, and yeah? Um, well, uh, it was a, actually a joke. Um, my partner is also in theater, and sort of, uh, sort of, sort of really. and also in this room, yeah. um, and uh, also made his own. He just made his own sort of segue into a world that made more sense, um, where he could do the stuff that he wants to do and less of the stuff that he had to do to keep it all going. He's an academic, by the way. Yeah, yeah. he's an academic, um, and uh, so seeing that when we first, uh, probably about a year after we got together, um, but also there was. A couple times where I was just so exhausted and just so bad, and I kept seeing people as dog walkers in our in my neighborhood. <laughs> dog like, you know what? Fuck it. I think you. I just want to be a dog walker, <laughs> and I didn't yeah. mean that in like a like just want to be. Like I was like I actually think like like if you ask me what would make me happy, seeing a dog like is an instant joy for me beyond almost everything else. Yeah. And so I was, I just like, I actually, I thought about it for a while and I was like, well, I don't know. And, and Dave laughed at me because like for three months, four months, he'd be like, you know that there's like, it's not theater in your current job or dog walking. Like there's a whole other different <laughs> set of options in between. And I was like, yeah, okay. But I just, I couldn't see it. And I, 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 in order to be able to, work in theater administration um, and live in Toronto and have student loans, I waitressed for the first five years of my 
things on the side. So I also had that brain. I was like, okay, well, I can either be an arts administrator, a waitress, or a dog walker. Like, that was what I had in my brain for the longest time. Um, And, uh, yeah, so I think, I mean, it's it's twofold. I, I had had that sort of, like, what if there's another world? I don't know crossover. I don't know about transferable skills. I don't Mm -hmm. know what I want to do. I don't know. And it's hard because you're, you're, like... It's not just a job. It's like, and it's treated amongst all, all all the people I respect as like a life path. That this yeah. is this is what you choose, yeah, it's a and, it, and it, it's very hard, especially with no boundaries, to figure <laughs> out where it all ends. Um, and so, like this current opportunity that I just started today um, uh, was actually someone called me, who's a friend of a family, like family friend, and said, you know, I have a job that I think you'd be great at totally outside of your field um and so we talked through it and essentially it was it was something that she was redefining her team and knew what kind of skills she needed and she's like I've been through this for the last 10 years enough and she'd grown with this company and she said I could I can find someone who has all of the things on paper that that you would need and the training would be shorter she's like but ultimately what I need is someone that that this team will follow into battle like I can't teach people skills yeah so she's like I feel like you're smart you have strategy of all these things but this is this is something that I can't teach and people is just being a good person and wanting to see people do well and encouraging them to do that so anyway so I'm very lucky in that um in that this opportunity thing that I decided to take it um, or I, well, I ended up getting the job as well. That was another step. It but helps, yeah. ultimately, it was all of the things I loved colliding with each other and realizing that the other thing I loved, which is this wonderful man, I never got to see anymore. Mm-hmm. So that oh, was sort sweet. of the piece mm. that so sweet. was made it. Like, okay, well, <laughs> I'll do it. I have yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, almost too good a segue to pass up. Uh-huh. And we're going to talk about transferable skills, but I okay. actually want to hear Maria's. Like, well, I'm going to like gave you the have kick. the anti-romantic story. I guess. <laughs> yeah, you knew it. Um, so, I, like, I tried to run away a few times from theater, and um, the actually shortly after, maybe it was you. I don't know the project <laughs> we did. I, I was with someone. I said, "Look, you're a freelance musician. I'm a freelance stage manager. I want a family. I want a house. I don't. I don't see how we can do this. And you know what? I've been doing this for a long time." I'm totally happy to walk away. So I'm thinking, I'm going to go get an office job, um, and you can be freelance musician, and uh, we'll build a little life together. Cool. And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe my first time. But anyway, um, and so that was 2008, and some of you may recall that was the recession. Mm-hmm. And that was really oh, not a great time yeah. to go, hey, I've never done office work, really. Like, I worked at my cousin's office once for, like, a month. Um, and I'm going to just get an office job. And then um, I went to... So I was like, I'm not taking stage management work. Because that's the other thing, right? Like, you freelance. You're like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And then you get worried because you see the bank account going down. And somebody calls you and you go, okay, I'm doing it. And I was like, I'm not doing it. And uh, so I didn't. And I had saved uh, a bunch of money in the industrial portion of the uh, the project and so that was supposed to be for down payment but I basically lived off that essentially for a year and uh, I went to like a job finding club I went to Human Resources Canada and I met with a counselor there who I would say is not 
made me very creative because <laughs> she couldn't really see it. She was like, yeah, I don't know what to suggest. Like, anyway, and then I ended up, uh, Access is a program, like a job finding, very similar to Human Resources Canada, uh, run through the United Way. And so I ended up going there and I met with a career counselor and she like helped me tweak my resume. And then she said, you know, I think you should work with one of our job developers. And so I met with one of the job developers and he was like, you know, okay, so where do you come from? What do you want to do? And, you know, and it was kind of like, well, really, I just want to do anything. <laughs> I just want nine to five. And um, anyway, so we were talking and then I don't even know how it happened, but he basically uh, found an opportunity. This organization that I work in now um, had um, an office admin person who worked part-time and they were like, okay, you really need to show up on Wednesdays. And she was like, yeah, yeah. And then they wouldn't see her for like a week. <laughs> and they were like, no, no, you really need to show up. And then she'd be gone for like, and then she just never came again. And so somehow that um, my company hooked up with this job developer and he said, I think I have someone. And he was like, go meet with them. And uh, the president uh, thought it was fantastic that I came from a creative background. And he was like, we need creative people. And like <laughs> the executive director was like, Okay, can you print labels? And I was like, uh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I can totally just, do that. I'll yeah. just Google it. And I was, I was petrified. Like, so I, I got the job, and um, yeah, and I was petrified. I was like, I don't know how to be normal. Like, I'm working with scientists, and like, I, I swear too much. And so, like, I basically like ironed all my clothes, and so I had like a new wardrobe to go to work, and uh, and I just thought, just be normal, just be normal. And and then you realize like. People are people, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then two weeks later, my sweetie and I broke up. Aww. Aww. And uh, he wasn't really into my plan, <laughs> which I think I kind of knew, but I ignored. And this yeah. would be another thing like I do, yeah. recommend. Like, I think most of you are younger than I am, that I think at different points throughout my career, there were possibly other roads that were open to me that... I dismissed partly because I thought, well, I can't do anything else. This is, this is what I do. Like, I don't know how to waitress. I don't have strong enough arms. Like, I can't work in an office. I don't know how to make labels, right? So I kept, like, not seeing opportunities. And, like, you know, this woman asked me, like, I have a real estate company. Do you, I think you'd be great. Do you want to, like, work with me? And I was like, oh, no, I'm... I'm uh, no. <laughs> and I didn't even consider it. And now I'm like, oh, my God, I could have been in real estate in, like, 1990. What was I thinking? God. So I just say, like, that there are weird opportunities out there and that if you kind of dismiss them because you're in this, like, tunnel vision, you'll look back later and go, oh, that was an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I've been there five years. And, um, you know, it's, it's different, but it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, nine to five, like, I'm older now, and I don't like lifting heavy shit all the time by myself <laughs> downstairs in yeah. the dark, mm -hmm. and I don't have to do that. That's well, sometimes I have to lift boxes full yeah. of crap, but, yeah, it's much easier on my body and, and my soul. Like, there's a kind of a weight of, like, I'm getting older, I'm, like, one slip disc away from ruin, you know, <laughs> yeah. freelancing, so this yeah. kind of eases my soul a bit. There's something comforting about, yeah, nine to five. Like, okay, yeah, we'll get done. Yeah. yeah. Hey there, it's me, Michael Cruz, your host. Interrupting briefly again to thank those of you who have chosen to support 
the title block on Patreon.com. I really enjoy doing the show, and I'm not going to stop while I have the time, but it does cost a bit to do the show between equipment and web hosting, not to mention extra mic rentals and maybe travel in the future to ensure that special events like the Bellows sound as best as I can make them. So I'm asking that you help to cover those costs and help me to continue to capture the story of Canadian theatre design. Go to patreon.com forward slash the title block podcast and donate a couple bucks an episode. It really helps. Now, back to the panel discussion on the Bellows, leaving the business with moderator Kevin Hudson and guests Maria Costa, Michelle Bailey, and Katie Pounder. Like, so, I mean, transferable skills is the where we were headed. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's easy. A carpenter is kind of a carpenter. I mean, there's lots of stuff I don't know. I don't know how to form concrete, for instance, but I can figure it out. Otherwise, you just screw plywood together and make shapes, and you pour stuff in it. It's fine. So, I mean... and, and it, You've clearly never poured yeah. No, no, no. I, I have a couple times, but... Um, don't stand on his bridge. No, no, yeah. no. Unless I'm made of wood, because I yeah. understand that. Yeah, yeah uh, Concrete's actually really difficult. Anyway, yeah. um, it's very complex. Uh, but it cures underwater, which is pretty impressive. Um, administration <laughs> is... Uh, seems like it would be like a kind of knock it out of the park, like a no-brainer. Like, no, I can run this office. Yeah. Did you, do you go in there guns blazing? You're just like, what, I got this. No, because I wasn't... It, the good thing about it was that when I went into the interview, um, I, the hardest part was actually redoing my resume. I didn't... Like, obviously, I had to add the current job on it. Um, and it wasn't about changing anything except for how I communicated about myself and the type of things that I did. If right. you, because I realized when I looked at it, I was like, okay, well, this got me the job at Tapestry and blah, blah, blah. And then I looked at it and I was like, no one knows what CAEA is. No one knows what <laughs> CTA. Like we talk in so many acronyms and I've learned already in the new job, they totally do too. Um, they're just totally different acronyms. But that whole idea of like taking the like arts soul focused out of it so what does this what am I actually saying in this line what does that mean to someone who is looking for this in in a person so that was a really good exercise it was a long exercise Mm -hmm. um and the cover letter um was was equally but the thing they liked about me was that I was passionate about what I was talking about um they did ask me in my interview like are you sure that you want to leave the arts because the way you talk about it, like your whole face lights up. And I was like, no, I'm not actually sure, but I'm totally <laughs> open to something new. And there's, there's parts that I'm really, I'd be really excited about in this, right. this, this sort of atmosphere. So I think, yes, it's much more easily um, thought of as, as transferable because you're still in an office. Yeah. Um, but it, there was quite a few steps to actually make it. Yeah. So, and it's about selling yourself at that point. Yeah. And they, I, they, they don't know you. Then. Yeah. yeah. But the good thing about it was that because I wasn't like, I need this job so much to get out of here. Like I, I it was like, okay, well what, what is this? And so I went in interviewing them as much as they were interviewing me. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, I was like, well, I don't want to go work in a place that, I can't be me in, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to be me. And I flubbed a lot of a lot of it in the interview, yeah. but because that's me, so at least I know that it's go- if it's going to be a fit, it's an actual fit as opposed yeah. to me yeah. trying to like squeeze myself into some corporate box. Does that feel like a position of strength? Like when you, for any time I've applied for a job, 
out of another job, like if I had yeah. a gig, yeah, and I go to a place, it's like I'm thinking about whether that's an upgrade, yeah, as opposed to, and that yeah. feels like it's comforting, and to, it, it comes across. Uh, like I've interviewed enough people that it totally comes across because right. it's about whether or not it's like it's a mutual thing. Do you want? It's a relationship. You're forming a yeah. relationship, right? And there's so often that we're just like, I'll do anything. I'll do anything, and especially in theater, like I don't care. I just want to be here where the art is. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it, right. it it's. It's it's a it's totally a luxury to be able to have that. Yep. Um, I worked for that luxury, but it's still a luxury to be able yeah. to have that. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you mentioned people skills earlier. Yeah. Transferable. Transferable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, and that's what I'm most excited about this job. Actually, is that right. like all of the things that that have been really hard in the last few um, gigs and few seasons that I've been part of where we're trying to do so much and come out of a sort of deficit or whatever and really inspiring, like incredible, incredible work, um, and an awesome team. So I'm I'm still sad about all of the stuff that isn't there, but the hardest part has been not feeling like I can take care of the people that are doing it with me in the way that I would like to, that's really important to me, um, beyond the art itself. Mm. Um, like my definitions of success are totally different than, like an artistic director is per se. Um, but this job is about like strategy and finding ways to like, not only make my team do the best work possible. And ultimately it's so that universities make more money. Like it's still for that corporate goal, but if I do it well, people will graduate all the way down the line. So that's that's like a nice way to look at it. That's very nice. Yeah. But it is, it is, it is uh, like, Essentially, they were really interested in, I couldn't give any examples that were specific to their industry, but they're looking for, okay, well, how are you able to get a team to do something? And like when I joined Tapestry specifically, um, you know, we were coming through a big transition and rebuilt a team from sort of nowhere and credit's all theirs. It's not mine, but it's what we did together that we sort of rebuilt a place. Hmm. Awesome. Uh, Dog training. How many performer discipline jokes (laughs) can we fit into the next 10 minutes uh well bless your heart if you think that a misbehaving puppy is any different than trying to get an actor to wear something they don't want to (laughs) wear one all right one Uh, i don't know but presumably you're dealing with i mean so obviously you're training dogs yeah uh in theory but presumably you're Dealing with the people who are that, dealing with the and dogs the, well. that's really it. That was the thing I was told when I first got into got into touch with this company was that if you want to just train dogs, be a dog walker. You know, if you want to just deal with dogs alone, this is about teaching people. And in a lot of ways, like you know, I'm a behavioral therapist for dogs, but in a lot of ways, I feel like a therapist for people because there is something about a misbehaving dog in the house that just sends people into a spiral. I feel like yeah. I'm a marriage counselor sometimes. It's, it's so a lack of control, right? Like if they it's don't a lack of control go, over something, yeah. over a member of the family. So that is... So, yeah, I do a lot of listening, a lot of understanding, a lot of smiling when I don't feel like smiling. And I find, and I was uh, saying this uh, earlier in, in a discussion with somebody, that... Uh, we in theater, I don't think we realize the skill we really have in this industry of diffusing tense situations, of working through, listening, finding the common, finding the time, finding the money, like just finding a way to do it. 
And uh, th that is, I think, the biggest thing I've really brought to this job. And yeah. managing a budget, because mm -hmm. I run my own business. That's the other thing. Yeah. A lot of my fellow trainers were, go were absolutely lost on the business side of it, because that's the, the two sides of the coin I deal with. Like, I'm a dog trainer on one side, but I'm also a business owner on the other side. And that was no problem for me. <laughs> that's cool to hear, because yeah. Yeah, managing budgets is not necessarily in my purview yeah and like if, business business management is really scary right, as well but if you've done any production management if you yeah. can head a department anywhere like that stuff comes pretty easily <laughs> even if you've just had you know been designing and building your own show you got to manage your own budget so yeah there you go um this is a bit of a sidebar but i wanted to say that if you go into an interview or you're just schmoozing with somebody uh in a different industry that like like i've done a lot of job finding clubs and things like that you know it's part of it's a hobby and uh one of the things they always call it different acronyms but like scar right situation challenge action result that it's it's a good idea to think about the different projects you've worked on in theater and think like what was a challenging situation and how did i take action and what was the result right and i think people in other industries go oh yeah you can totally come work for me right like i think they go, oh, you're just like me. Um, and then I think in terms of transferable skills, I think, um, you know, working with directors and actors, like I could kind of see sometimes like, what does this person need? Like, you know, uh, so I work in a small office, but I go, okay, this person loses shit all the time. So when I give them this contract, I'm going to have the copy here, you know? And when they put things in the shared drive in the wrong place, I'm going to take them and I'm going to put them in the right place and I'm going to lock them. You know, so like, you know, you have the chaos people and sometimes I'm one of those chaos people, but like you kind of, I find like there's always that stage manager that kind of does the overview of the people and go, okay, what do they need? Like, what do we need to make this organization work optimally, right? And so, you know, like I got to manage the toner situation and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, is very stage managey. You got to have sharpened pencils every day. And so some of that is very kind of easy and people do appreciate it. And then they don't. And, you know, then I get bitter. And, um, but I would say that. <laughs> so it's uh, not different. Yeah, I know. It's not different. <laughs> that what is different is, um, I used to think I was very nice. And I think partly because I freelance. So, you know, you work in a theater and you think, well, I want to work here again. So you don't say, well, this policy is stupid, right? But now that I've been there five years, I, I say shit and I scare my coworkers sometimes when they break the printer. And I am a bit meaner than I used to be when I freelance just because I feel comfortable, which I don't recommend. Um, but, um, but it's just something I've noticed about how like, maybe I was always ragey, but I just bottled it. <laughs> but now, so that's not really a transferable skill. I'm not quite sure. Right. Um, but I think basically, I think it's like, a great transfer. Yeah, yeah, watching the people and just kind of going, okay, this area of our organization is a mess. Can I, or it's not functioning well, can I help make it run better? And I, I kind of, get off on that like I don't know it's it's a yeah. weird thing but I love finding like a cheaper teleconferencing system like I save the organization $300 every time they teleconference and I'm like yeah I'm pleased I with myself because yeah. <laughs> I like talk to mm -hmm. all these different people anyway it's you know whatever 
floats your boat and yeah. that floats my boat. <laughs> For sure. But, but I, will, I, oh, yeah. I also wanted to add that, um, you know, my job, like, it's hard in terms of, I feel like I did lose a community a little bit. Like, I still have friends that I love from my theater days, but it's harder to kind of get together. And so I did kind of, I struggle sometimes with, like, where are my people, you know? <laughs> like, you were talking about how yeah. when you first walked in, you were mm -hmm. like, these are my people. Um, that I find, you know, like, I work in an office, and radiation safety is very important, don't get me wrong, but it's not my passion, right? And so I find now, like, I go to these communi community meetings. There's, like, a thing in my neighborhood that people are, like, incensed about, and I go to these meetings, and, you know, and I just kind of work with the group, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put together... Uh, schedule for like the different events we have to partake in. I'm going to put together a contact list and I just do that because that's what I did for 20 years. And so the advocacy part of the neighborhood and, you know, and I volunteer because I think, you know, I left theater to do more me things. So I got to start. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. so it does like, you know, I have maybe less purpose in work now, uh, but I find in my personal life, there's, a bit more purpose, which is nice. That is nice. Yeah. I'd like to talk a little more about that, actually. Okay, the, uh, <laughs> purpose, purpose in work is really interesting because that's sort of a well-phrased way to, I think, talk about a lot of people's theater experience. Yeah. Where, you know, you, you're only able to do this one thing. It happens to be a very rewarding thing, and it's pretty easy to get lost in that environment. And sort of one of the one of the things that started to seduce me when I was a technician, particularly, was the idea of you know because you're, I was working evenings all the time, so bands would come to town and be like, "Well, I'm not seeing that because yeah. I'm working," and just the idea of you know purpose outside of work, like what is the, what is the purpose of work is you know make make you money so you can go see these shows, mm -hmm. as opposed to well, I'm I am what I do. Yeah, and which, I was very much, I am what I do, and it's like, I'm going to leave it, and I'm going to have a family, and that's going to be my thing, and then it didn't happen. So it was like, oh, shit, I don't have the family, I don't have the relationship, I don't have the career. Like, it was really, um, you know, it was quite shocking tense. to be yeah. at this point in my life and go, oh, I did not see being here at this point. Like, it really sideswiped me, I have to say. So I feel like... I'm just starting to, well, maybe not just starting, but I'm coming through that and going, okay, like, i got to be happy with me because I'm walking, you know, with myself every day. So what makes me happy? And, you know, and I don't want to be working 60 hours a week in theater yeah, for, sure. for scale. You know, like yeah. a G house, like a, a, with the rats or, like, yeah. I just, I can't do it well, anymore. There's no rats in theater. <laughs> no, there's no rats in theater. <laughs> right. uh, the no, that's true. Exactly. That was the old days before yeah. fumigators and stuff. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, especially because, like, 60-hour weeks, I mean, you know, they're survivable, but they put off those yeah. questions. Yeah. That sort mm -hmm. of self-reflection that, you know, people might find boring. Maybe this is just for us, but um, like that kind of just figuring out what it is that you want to yeah. do. If you if you're only able to do the one thing, yeah. you're not able to explore other things. And I was like 20 forever, and then all of a sudden I was like 45, and I went, "What the <laughs> hell? Like, I don't know how that happened, but it'll happen." <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, one of the questions I had on here uh, that I think you answered was, like, what, which of those transferable skills comes directly from theater? 
Because you mentioned uh, sort of, I mean, I want to say conflict resolution, but more diffusing the tension. Bomb diffusing. Yeah, yeah bomb yeah, diffusing. That's really it. And other than being an a FBI agent, right. do you think you could get those <laughs> sort of skills from anywhere else? Um, not to the same extent, I don't think. It's not the right. kind of thing you learn in like a weekend team building seminar kind of thing. It, mm. It's what you learn from really being in the shit. <laughs> what you learn from those 60-hour weeks and, and all the rest of it. Uh, right. Yeah, through just repetition and experience, it, like it just you you can't you can't teach it in a way. Hmm. So yeah, excellent. Yeah, it's hard to think of other like industries or sectors or types of jobs where you have. I mean, there's lots of different people who do more than one thing in theater, but in terms of like the roles of bringing this show from the person who wrote it to this thing at the end. Um, it's hard to think of teams that are that diverse in terms of what they actually do for the common goal. So right. I think that I think it affords something extra beyond many other opportunities. Well, and I that. think that it's interesting you should say it that way because I think the thing that theater has unique to it is that the team is always changing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like. Yeah. In a lot of other jobs, you're working with the same people accomplishing, you know, yeah. not always the same thing, but it's the same group of people. Whereas this, it's always, you know, yeah. a different island of misfit toys. So <laughs> that's uh, that's what we learn to work with. Mm-hmm. I think there's a certain level of trust that, you know, like you, I mean, I just look back and there were certain crazy situations like, the bailiff came on our first 10 out of 12 and we were locked out of the theater, right? Like that was nuts. And somehow we kind of, we moved the show to another theater and then the bailiff cut the locks and we moved back and, and the show opened, you know, on time. And so like, you know, I start this new job and the president lost this big report, like big. He just, he said it disappeared from his computer and it was gone. And so we had a third party IT person and he was spinning, he was losing his mind. But somehow I thought he'll find something, like he'll find the second last draft and like it's going to be fine. Like no one is going to die. And (laughs) like I think, I mean, I'm sure if you were a surgeon, uh, you know, you would have that experience in other situations. You'd be like, Nobody's going to die. We're good here. Like, yeah. you can be stressed out, but we're going to be okay. And so I find being in an office that um, there's that adrenaline in theater, right? There's never enough time. There's never enough money. You know, like, <laughs> there's a new scene on preview. Like, it's always exciting all the time. And and you just trust that we're going to have something to show people. They might hate it, but it's going to be something, you know. Yeah. And we'll, we'll all get by. And so I find taking that to the office is actually, it's good. Like, I mean, mind you, I do get a bit flappy about certain things, but generally I, I trust that, you know what, this situation, this person is upset about something, and I feel like I'm really good at customer service. Like, I feel like everybody is my client, because I feel right. like as a stage manager, everybody's my client in a way, you know, and so I find that transferable skill is really good. Like, I can just be like, I hear you, I, I understand you're upset, I apologize, you know, and Okay, so here's what we can do for you, and and people seem to respond to that, and yeah. so that's good to always keep under your hat. Uh, not to bring it down, what do you miss? Uh, personally, I miss having a workplace 
uh, because mm. I work alone. I work from a home office. Uh, and to be sure, I have a fantastic network of fellow trainers who are super supportive and just a phone call away, and we all really, you know, band together. But going into a brick-and-mortar workplace and talking to people, because there are some days where I will spend way too much time in my own head, mm. way too much time alone. <laughs> right. I mean, it's your first day on a gig. I have no idea. I can, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pontificate and figure out what I might miss. Um, I know I'm going to miss my twenty, my last week 20-minute walk to work. Cause yeah. I'm really close to that because I now have to go to the Finch and the 404, yeah. uh, which is obviously the part of, you know, going to the corporate world that's different. But as, as my partner kindly pointed out, that um, if I leave the office in my new place at 5.30, I'll be home by 7. When was the last time I was ever home mm -hmm. at 7? Mm -hmm. um, which is very true. So, uh, so for that, I would. But I actually... Um, the part that makes it crazy is also bits that I'm going to miss and that like that it is different and that there is new people all the time or um, really great people. There's also incredibly gifted people who do incredibly wonderful, magical things with almost nothing all the time. And so yeah. that's really inspiring to be around and I will miss that. Um, but I just think that it's it's about... <laughs> Keeping keeping the personal part. <laughs> no, um, I think it's about it's about for me right now. It's about okay. I have no boundaries, so let's find a place that naturally has them. Um, but yeah. also also um, keeping the balance between uh, what fuels you versus drains you. Um, mm. And even if it's only 50-50 part of the time, that's okay. But when it's you know draining more than it's fueling, you start to resent the start the stuff that you used to be inspired by. Yeah. And so I don't think I was ever fully there, but um, I can totally see that. And I'm, I'm happy to get some new skills and maybe I'll bring them back to theater. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just, yeah. Go for um, it. I think I mentioned earlier community and, and I find um, like working on a show, like I always have a crush, be it, you know, man, yes. woman, child. <laughs> like there's just somebody that so I love true. and it's like, I want you to be my new best friend, right? And so I kind of amass, you know, my darlings. And then, uh, so that's um, fewer and far between now because I don't yeah. kind of, you know, uh, run into all these new people all the time. And so it's kind of a, it's sad, but you know, the Facebook is nice, so I still see people. Yeah. And I do actually um, still work the Doras. So if you're only going to work one day a year in theater, the Doras is the best day to do it. But it's also kind of sad because, like, all the nominees get read, and I'm like, I don't know who the hell, who's this person? I don't, mm -hmm. and they're all, like, and when I was working at Humber, I would know kind of the up and comers. And now I don't know anybody. And I was saying to the production manager, okay, like, the year John Kaplan does not present. Adora is the year I'm out. And she's like, actually, Susan Cole <laughs> is presenting one this year. He's not doing it. And I'm like, oh, shit. Good oh, thing shit. I'm not a woman of my word, and I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> but it's weird because I feel kind of um, a bit like an outsider. And, and there was, um, like, uh, YPT had its 50th anniversary, uh, you know, last month. And I went, and I was excited because I saw some people, you know, I saw when I was apprenticing, and, and it was exciting, but I was weepy the whole time because I was like, and someone, you know, in the theater community had passed away, like, two weeks before, and I just kind of was feeling like that chapter is gone, and that sort of, like, these people that I bonded with, like, 
when will I ever see them again? Will I see them at someone's funeral? Like, I was getting very sad yeah. about it and just feeling like, yeah, that magic of these people because you do bond. You're, like, in the dark in a beautiful summer day or spring day, you know, for 12 hours, and crazy stuff goes on, and you just, like, you have some good stories after every show. And so... Yeah, it's that kind of adventure and just the bonding with people. Like, I bond with my coworkers, but, like, I don't bond when some, like, kid pulls a fire alarm on our last matinee at YPT. Like, you bond during that stuff because it's so nuts, mm-hmm. right? And you have to get yeah. 400 kids back into a theater. Like, that kind of stuff is awesome, and you don't have those kind of adventures and those interactions as much. <laughs> As much. I think to add a note of hope, <laughs> that's like my job. really <laughs> depressing. <laughs> I, not only did I leave theater, but I also left Toronto. And that was that was sort of a double blow for me going, am I'm like, I'm moving to a new place. Like there, we had a few friends there because I feel like, you know, Hamilton's next. Everyone's moving there. But it, I didn't have like my tribe there and I feel that I still those people are still going like your friends are your friends they're gonna stick around like I still see this joker all the time and you know (laughs) and everyone else even people that have moved to other cities and what have you so I think that's what I was really really worried about when I left is you know is this it am Mm -hmm. I just never gonna see these people and granted not every day but Mm. Still enough, and Facebook is such a great thing now. <laughs> I don't think I could have done this even, you know, what ten years ago when it wasn't so mm-hmm. much a thing. And I think I used to see theater too. Like when I work in theater, I'd, I'd hear like, "Oh, this show's awesome! You have to go see it." And I'm less in tune, right? And like Facebook, you Are know, you more every prone mo- to see theater though, because I don't. See well, you know, I was I go through periods when I worked where like on my day off I'd go see a show because like this is my only chance. And I was, yeah. and then I'd go through periods where I'm like, "Oh, I'm not going anywhere near a theater." And um, like, and now I, I may be more apt to go see an opera or like kind of expand my, refine right. my palette a bit more. Um, but I kind of, I kind of miss being in the know, like this is the one to go see, like this right. actor will make you weep. And, you know, like yeah. sometimes I'll catch things. She'll, she'll make you weep. That's yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm not as uh, like in tune yeah. and, and being kind of, I don't know, like a hipster, like I'm not a, I've never was a hipster, but you know, being part of a scene, right? Like a cultural scene. Yeah. Like I felt kind of cool. Like I'm a cool person. So I'd go to a party and I'd be like, I work in theater. People would be like, oh, whatever. But I was like, <laughs> I think that's cool. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I just realized that I don't qualify for arts worker tickets anymore. <laughs> I feel like I've put enough time in that I should for perpetuity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I've got yeah. lots of business cards, but for sure. yeah, no, I just thought about that right now. You <laughs> thought, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen theater in a long time, which is sad because I feel like I need to see theater in order to keep liking theater. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. to be on yeah. the other side of the curtain is really, yeah, really great. And that was one of the things that. Like, I always just wanted to go see stuff and not know how the tricks were done mm. anymore. To be a bit of an outsider yeah. seems kind of exciting can't in a weird back, way. Though. No, you can't yeah. go back. You can't go back. Once you've been yeah. behind the curtain, it's all, it's all <laughs> yeah. over. It's all over. Uh, do you all still feel like you support the arts at all? I'm here, aren't yeah. I? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, okay, thanks very much then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel I could do more. Like, yeah. you know, I do, like, every once in a while, I'll alternate a subscription, and whether, like, it was the art gallery for a while, so it wasn't theater directly. So um, What's that? We, we That's right, I know. Yeah, and yeah. we were like geeking out at some like book fair, like mm -hmm. which I think is great. You get to kind of foster these other parts yourself. Um, yeah, and I think at different points, I think, oh yeah, if I get some more money, maybe I'll get some subscriptions. And I never do. Like you know, <laughs> I end up buying light fixtures instead. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, it is interesting. I'd like to figure out how to do more of it. But right. yeah, I still like the arts for sure in theater. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been following things more closely than I did. You know, you used to be like my shows and what I'm working on, like maybe I'll catch something, but I keep my finger a little more on the pulse now mm -hmm. just because I'm not directly a part of it. It's hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm hoping I think <laughs> that I'll actually, in smaller doses, have more to offer, actually. Right. Yeah. So I may, That's um, interesting. I may have been asked to join a board, actually. That's But that's the thing that I can still, like, then I'm not throwing away a bunch of skills that may not be exactly transferable. So right. it's nice to be able to think in that way. And, like, I care deeply not only about the type of work that each of the places that I've worked at do, but also the people who bring that to life so right. I'm, I, I don't let go of things very easily which is because I love founders um, but uh, so like I'll still be around I, I don't think I'm going anywhere necessarily but the plan is to not be around so much mm. <laughs> in, yeah. in the whole grand scheme of things like right yeah I think that's a good point because when I left I decided I need a good long break and yeah. that was a very very healthy thing and so I should say I keep my finger on the pulse but it's only been in the last six months or so where I've finally gone okay yeah we can be friends again yeah. <laughs> it's like being friends with an ex you know you need a good long break first yeah and I find I can watch a show and get more into the story than I could before and every once in a while I think oh 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 is the problem the costume? Like, what is, what's going on? Like, why, yeah. why is this scene not, you know, like, there's still a bit of that. But, yeah. uh, but I can get kind of wrapped in the story a bit more. And, uh, you know, like I saw Robert Lepage's show last year, 228 or something. Yeah. And it was a real kind of mix of theater and um, cinematography. And, like, it was really um, mixed media. Like, it was just really interesting. Like, this industry... Like, there's so much potential for it to change. And, it, you know, and you still have, like, the one-hander show. And so it's kind of exciting still. Like, you know, you can go and go, oh, um, yeah, just, like, the magic of it is kind of back for me, which is nice. That's nice. Yeah. I think it gives you a different perspective on the, yeah. on the work. Like, I still I still watch for, like, oh, oh, somebody doesn't know their lines. And, <laughs> and there's part of me that, like, oh, that must have been a bitch to call or something you know <laughs> and if I see someone I know after the show and they'll you know like especially if they've just opened you know they still got their war stories right and yeah. it's kind of fun to hear and then everyone's I'm like okay good night see ya <laughs> yeah. yeah so hmm. it's interesting awesome I'm almost out of questions I think this is really is anybody else wanting to know anything about What's going on outside of the theater world? The Has anybody actually quit since we... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go for it. Um, we talked a little bit about it, but I was curious about re-education um, in more formal sense. I don't think any of you went back to school, but as far as job training, getting mentors, clubs, things like that, I'm 
Uh, I'm potentially looking at another four-year degree, which is scaring the bejesus out of me. But um, but just re-education in general, formal or informal. What was your experience with that and or the hurdles or welcome things? <laughs> I That was the one thing that was like like before this job possible opportunity presented itself that like I actually was like oh, I think I want to work in HR more and I think I want to like I think that's actually what my skills are I don't know if this is the best like I don't need to be the person at the top telling everyone to do I think I actually want to be supporting people from around and that was the one terrifying part was because I already went to school and then I went back to school and did a post-grad I still have student loans like I just I was like, I'm, I'm 36, I don't want to be doing this forever. Um, but, so I, I'm lucky in that way that I'm, I'm able to try and test something out without having to do that. I may still decide I want to do that. Um, I think it's just about, like, you just, you approach things differently when you're not 20 or 22 and, and looking at, it. so talking to someone in it to be like, do I need this? in order to get to this job or in order to get to this type of work? Um, and can I do it in terms of financial stability, like the cost versus gain of it all? Um, if there is a way to sort of sidestep into the, maybe not the job you want, but the job that may lead to the job that you want, and that sort of like longer yeah. game might work. Yeah. But yeah, it, mm -hmm. it depends on what's going on in your life. I, yeah. I'm Right now at this moment in time, I'm, glad that I didn't have to do that because I'm not, yeah, I want to go That's back fair. to student brain, but uh, if it was something I really cared about and was really, really interested in, I think I would have considered that. Yeah. yeah. I think for me anyway, I mean, it's it's a question of the things I want to do require uh, uh, tickets and qualifications and certificates rather than degrees, you know what I mean? Like I could go get a welding ticket and that would take me a little while. Um, and that obviously seems worth it because that's a qualification I need. Whereas for an extra degree, like, yeah, I, I think that's a question that you would probably be better answering for yourself, to be honest. Like, just, I don't mean to be meta or ridiculous, but, um, like, if it's, if it's the path you think you need, like, all the experience you've built thus far is not wasted. It's never wasted. So, like, if that's the way you want to get to there, then go for it. But there may also be another way you can sort of work two steps sideways and, and find another path to go in. So. I think that's really true because I, uh, I looked into, you know, after I actually desperately tried to stay in theater, like I applied for every upper level wardrobe job I could find, you know, and uh, decided, and I think I've, I've said this uh, charmingly, that I, <laughs> I couldn't wait around for somebody to retire or die again because the mm -hmm. the next step up for me was like you know I wanted to do Shaw or Stratford and those jobs weren't coming up anymore so I thought okay do I retrain do I retrain for something uh and you know thought animals okay vet tech that's at least another four years you know depending on where you go you know do I want to actually be a vet do I want to go back to med school do I want to do the science degree all that and at this point in my life, like, I kind of I think if you've got, you know, kids or a ton of debt or, you know, lots of financial strain, then, then, then maybe there's another way to find 
a way to get where you're going without having to retrain. Because keep in mind that another degree or another diploma is not necessarily a guarantee of anything, you know? And you could get halfway through a degree or diploma and go, fuck this, this sucks. <laughs> so I think that's where I decided what's the path, not the path of least resistance, but what's the easiest way to get what I want to do. And for me, it was, you know, three weeks of intensive training out at a facility uh, at West. <laughs> I think for me, like, I haven't known what I want to do. What do I want to be when I grow up? And so, like, I dabbled. Like, I got my 9-to-5 job, and I was like, I'm going to go back to school. And so the first class I took was a records management course. It was not good. Like, I was like, oh this is boring and I don't want to be boring. Like, so I was like, okay, so that's, and then I tried uh, volunteer management. That was interesting. And I kind of dropped that. And then uh, my work, my employer had a brilliant idea that I should get some HR training. And so they paid for me to take HR and that was good. And I, I'm a dropper. I dropped that. <laughs> and then I started um, taking uh, professional communications and I liked that, some writing classes. And then I um, decided, oh, you know what? I'm going to take a fiction writing class because that's what I like. And so I've done some of that. And so that kind of satisfies my brain. You know, like I want to keep learning, really. Um, but I don't know, like in terms of, like I want to be invested in what I do for a living. And I'm not quite there yet. Sorry, Institute. Um, but um, I went to see a job developer. I threw some money at it. And I said, look, here's what I need from you. I need to you to not be practical, right? Like, I know I have a diploma from a college. Like, People like BAs, MAs, that kind of stuff, PhDs, and I don't have that. So I feel like that's a bit of a barrier sometimes to, to transferable skills. And so I said, I don't want you to be practical. Like, I just want us to look at, you know, my aptitude testing and just, like, see what's out there. And I'll figure out how I'm going to make that happen. And unfortunately, she's, um, she's very pragmatic. And so I think we're at a crossroads. <laughs> and I'm afraid to break up with her. But I think I really need to break up with her. Because I need to, like, I'm older. I need to know, like, I need to be invested in my work. And I'm not there yet. So I have some ideas. I'm getting closer. Um, I'm scared to go back to school. And I don't want to go into, you know, like, I bought a place, you know, which is nice. It's this big. But, you know, I don't want to add more debt onto that. So I'm not quite sure. Maybe I should trust the universe that the answer will come. But, like, I haven't known kind of what I want to do. And is there a shortcut that doesn't require years of training to get there? So, I don't know. Good luck. <laughs> like, maybe there is a course. Like, there's so many certificate courses and there's so many, like, colleges and universities merging programs together that maybe you can get, like, a certificate and then work towards, you know, your MA or your, your letters yeah. after your name, like, over a longer period of time. And... Are you are you good at school? Because I'm not good at school. I Some people. Not, are... I was not good at school. Yeah. I I passed everything. Right. I'm, I'm I'm smart for school, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I I was the one that calculated if I hand in this essay three weeks late, I'd take twenty percent off, right. and I'm still getting. Right. I still got sixty five on all my essays that were ninety fives when I wrote them. Yeah. But yeah, I was yeah. that person. D is for degree. D is for degree. Uh, <laughs> that was that was. Um, so that the fact that going back to school doesn't entirely terrify me with this specific program, I'm a sign language interpreter for fun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
is a saying enough for me, I think, that, that maybe it's not so bad, but I was just curious at mm. everyone's experience. Well, that's something that, that like, you you can't fudge. Like, you have to, like, <laughs> yeah. right? like you can't be like, oh, this totally works because I, you know, did a show about that had sign language in it. But, I think you could yeah. fudge it. I mean, if you knew oh. the language. You well, maybe not to the people, yeah. Yeah. That's true. yeah. Yeah, it's not that you need the training, you need to be able to, the skills that you would get in that training. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. for sure. That's, so, a tough, that's a tough one, actually. Yeah. It's yeah. a tough one. But there they, are. They just turned it into a degree program this mm. year. Oh. It was a three-year program last year. So that's, a dirty, that's a dirty trick. And then added $5,000 a year to I'm so angry. <laughs> I know they have yeah. note takers, like at, like George Brown, which has an ASL course. Yeah, at, George Brown's And so I don't know like if that's kind of a gateway to like work with someone uh, and be like their assistant in class and take oh, notes for them. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. so then you can kind of start dabbling in that world and then mm-hmm. see if it's a world you wanna yeah. pursue. Mm-hmm. Can I just offer the best advice I've ever gotten? And I don't necessarily, I've followed it through, but it, it really, like, when I, because I've seen so many uh, job applications come in, if it's something about a job you want as opposed to, like, a new field, um, that most job postings that they, um, when they advertise for it, they'll actually give the qualifications of the person who's leaving the job as opposed to mm. what they had when they came into it. And so never use that as a reason not to apply for a job. And also take your time with the cover letter. I've seen so many people, and no offense, but almost every technical theater person is the the worst at this. Like Mm. it's the time that when someone goes, oh, why should I hire them? You tell them why you should, why they should hire you. And you say like, if there's a big gap in your resume, point it out and explain why you have these transferable skills. Like that is... That's what people read first. That's whether or not you get a, a an interview. Like, unless there's a bunch of really amazing cover letters, you're not going to get it. Anyways, and if you don't want to apply for jobs, just make your own. That's true. Like, there I, you I, go. That's true. So that's exactly what I I I feel like my fellow panelists have a lot more transferable skills than I did. Nobody wants to hire a wardrobe person for anything in the outside world. I don't believe her at <laughs> all. Uh, yeah, unless, like the, the, other, the other jobs open to you are, you know, seamstress and, you know, industrial surger operator. Like mm-hmm. that's really it from a very extensive search. Like unless you want to go back to fashion school or what have you, which I personally did not. Uh, but... So, you know, the other option is if the job doesn't exist, create it. (laughs) Amen. Because I refuse to just get a job, any job. I wanted to still do something that mattered very much to me. And earlier today, I trained a dog who was going to be put down. Like, this dog was going to die if someone didn't come in and help this person with it. So that was very fulfilling for me (laughs) and continues Mm. to be so. Fantastic. So, excellent question. <laughs> anybody? Anybody else? No? Um, I'll wrap it up then. Michelle, what's the, the comparison coming from being in Toronto? And obviously, a lot of people you mentioned are moving from the cultural scene in Toronto <laughs> to Hamilton <laughs> just because it's so much more affordable. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, aside from what you mentioned, the adjustment from a social Mm-hmm. environment what's it like living there um hamilton has a refreshing lack of hipsters <laughs> uh, as i said hamilton the hamilton hipster is outnumbered immensely by the hamilton dirtbag 
That's not to say that the hipsters aren't coming. <laughs> they are. Uh, but right now, I feel like Hamilton is um, a bit untouched. It, like, the art scene is just starting to emerge there, so it's a really, really great place to be right now. And I've actually found myself getting a little bit more involved with just the Hamilton art scene, like joining Facebook pages, like knowing what's going on, going to little events here and there. Uh, so it is definitely a good place to be. Keep your eye on it. There's a lot of coffee shops. There's like a, lot a lot of coffee mm. shops. Lousy there's, with coffee shops. There's great craft beer. There is, uh, you know, and stuff there's, too. oh yeah. Oh, the food, forget about it. There's everything hmm. you need. Great. Can't hail caps though. That's mm. yeah. oh, weird. not the greatest. You can call them. You just, can't. just can't. Just hit seven until a cab arrives. That's all you have to do. <laughs> all right. Then. Anybody else? Thank you all for coming. Yay! Uh, I that was the bellows on leaving the business. Next time, designer Britta Garricky talks about her life in Edmonton, Stratford and now London, England, as a designer. The music for this podcast is by Vern Good, with voiceover by Gabriel Cropley. Please go to iTunes and give us a review. It'll help get the word out about this podcast and share the history of theatre design in Canada. And you can follow us on Twitter at thetitleblockca and on facebook.com forward slash thetitleblockpodcast. You can send comments and requests by email to thetitleblock at gmail.com. And don't forget that if you like the show, please support us on patreon.com. Feel free to share this with your friends, colleagues, students, and teachers, or listen to it while you try to make your resume pop, while you sit through another production meeting trying to decide what to cut to stay under budget. I'm Michael Cruz, and I'll see you next time on The Title Block.